1: driver's seat with Matt McKeldon and Stephen Johnson for Kubota. Together we are building Australia.
0: That's right. Three times in a row. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is the only way. I know the young kids call that music. I think, <laughs> I think that's music. I, think, I doubt that that was being played in the garage of uh, Mustang Sally. But yes, three wins in a row for Stephen Johnson. He is the reigning, defending, um, touring car master champion once again. But unfortunately, can't join us in the studio this week, Maddie. Uh, no, he's either hungover or he's
1: <laughs> uh, he's. In a drive-through somewhere, or more than likely, he's probably on his way to work somewhere because the man—I looked at his schedule this week of how often he flies. Oh, is there a level above platinum in your frequent flyer miles? Like I used to be gold, I've now dropped to silver, mm. and then I think there's a platinum as well. The amount he flies, there's got to be like a chairman's elite or you know some special room that he can go into because that
0: boy's got about half a dozen flights. To ten flights this week alone. Now, they, uh, essentially, it's a uh, it's Johnson level, and they give you crisp, complimentary Krispy creams at the uh, terminal, uh, I believe. But you go. But uh, the great man does join us via phone. Please welcome the twenty nineteen Touring Car Masters champion, Stephen Johnson. <laughs> Hello, Thank Stevie. I tell
2: you, um, I wish I was in there to backhand you, Matthew. <laughs> Seriously, dude, he's probably hung over somewhere. What is Come on, you know, I drink
1: very little. I do know you drink very little. I'm just mucking it around, but uh, but mate, seriously, though, hearty congratulations three times. You know what it is, Nimsy? Mm. We've been on the air, what, three years, three and a half years? Yeah, I reckon that's what it is. We've made all the difference. Oh,
2: absolutely. How good that. <laughs> Now, Steve, we we do have, we do have
0: we have to go through your weekend at Sandown because not only did you pilot Mustang Sally to an incredible performance and retain your touring car master champion, but championship, but you were also up till all hours of the night on Monday, uh, not Monday, sorry, on the Saturday evening. And even though you didn't even have to race the next day, I mean, talk us through that, mate. Yeah, Nemzi
2: it's been that it was a, it was a huge weekend and a huge night for us because. Uh, The Mustang has had a few little niggly engine dramas, believe it or not, the last three race meetings. We haven't put our finger on exactly what it is because um, it hasn't been able to be fully stripped apart. So Mm -hmm. it took a turn for the worse on Saturday afternoon, which in race three, so we got the trophy race and then uh, the second race, which is the main, uh, I guess the main championship race, and then race three. Um, So we're probably lucky that that race got... Uh, sa like there was a safety car came out and then they, they ended up declaring a race after seven laps under safety car or it was under safety car. We had, I think we had three or four racing laps and three laps under safety car mm-hmm. uh, because we had a, yeah, it was fluctuating with all pressure. It was doing a few things that's not right. Once we pulled the filter out of it and had a look and did a service on it on Saturday night, it didn't look very good at all. So, yeah, mate. We we pulled the old twenty seventeen donk out of the truck and uh, threw it in the car, and we were there until about one am on uh, Sunday morning, and got a few hours sleep, and then we we're back there at seven, and uh, and everything, and and then unfortunately, uh, in the, obviously the Toyota eighty six race was a big accident yeah. damaged the fence too much that to, that they couldn't actually repair it in time, and was going to push everything behind schedule, so. We got dropped, unfortunately, so I did one racing lap in the Toyota 86s, which I was double duties with on the weekend, and um, and no laps in the TCM. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bummer. I would have loved to have finished off the year proper in Mustang Sally and, and really given it a good crack for the for the last race.
1: It wouldn't have been very cold on Saturday night while you were changing that engine either, I would have thought, <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning in Spring no,
2: no, not at all, mate. It was uh, <laughs> There's no heaters around and there was nobody around, and I'm fighting with all of these security guards that are... You know, running the show, and um, yeah, it was it was it was an interesting night. Put it that way. I, I we'll talk briefly
1: um, about Toyota 86 because a couple of things. Uh, Nimsy and I were were watching the coverage, and that little piece where they crossed to you, and you were talking whilst the telecast was going, whilst you were racing. Geez, Louise, that hark back to the days of race cam with your dad heading down uh, Conrod straight And you pulled the world's best pass coming onto the main <laughs> straight and then threw in a little bit of Bill Lurie. Got him on the way through when you passed <laughs> him. That was vintage stuff.
2: <laughs> Mate, it was always just having fun. And, and you know, like a lot of the times, you know, people got to realise that, that the professional drivers that, that Neil Crompton and the guys at TR86 get into do those, um, I guess, those guest drives. We've seen Luke Yildon in there. We've seen Steve Owen in there. We've seen quite a lot of the guys in there having a lot of fun. But yeah. they don't, you know, you sort of, we're there to help the young guys. Too, but we're there to, to help promote Toyota 86s as well. And, um, and that's the stuff that they want. They want something for people to have a laugh at, something for people to, you know, we're still serious about it for sure. But, um, you know, the way that we really should be racing those guys is not like it's, a championship for us. You know, it's their yeah, championship. Yeah. We're there to help them out, and I'm mindful of that. But I still run a race as well, and if I can pass someone cleanly, I'll, I'll do that. So uh, to be able to do that on the camera and have a bit of a laugh about it with uh, with Chad and uh, and Andy, uh, Andy Jones, was uh, was quite cool. And I got a lot of good feedback from that, that night from not only the Toyota guys and, and Neil Crompton, but, but a lot of fans as well. I thought it was great.
1: And we miss it. We miss it because, as I say, in the old days, that was – you know, one of the things that your father brought to the sport was that sense of humour as he's barreling down Conrod Strait. Like, I think someone asked him once, maybe the great man, Mike Raymond, who who said to him, what's the grip like out there? And I think he said it was like a, a Labrador on lino oh, in the kitchen. Fun. So, <laughs> a Labrador on wet lino or something like that. So, it was brilliant yeah. and clearly that uh, sense of humour, as we well know here on the driver's seat, has obviously uh, been passed down the line and, and, uh, and into your car as well. Um, take me through that accident, bro, because I've got to say... Uh, there are a couple of lucky boys, That certainly the ones that were sitting in the ute, and the driver, John Iafola, yeah. who had that monster shunt in the Toyota 86, because, I mean, that was a very scary moment.
2: It was, it was, Matty. Uh, it, like, it, obviously, first lap, everyone's quite close, and um, I, I was only probably three or so cars behind that uh, happening, and three or four cars behind that, so I, as I come over the hill through that fast left-hander, I was actually watching him go across the grass to the left and Oof. then start to barrel roll. And I stayed hard right. Yeah, I got passed by someone behind me, but I, I knew instantly that yeah. it was going to be a red flag. To see where that car ended up, uh, I knew it was going to be a red flag. So it, it didn't bother me to get past at all. I just slowed up. Um, and then, you know, like the guys that race, and if I was racing for a championship, you know, I wouldn't be watching that thinking, oh, geez, Please, you know, and end okay, end the best possible, the best possible way it can.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, the other guys are just head down, you know. There wasn't the yellow flag out at that stage because the car was still having its accident, so you are allowed to pass. Um, so I basically was more worried about John's accident than I, than I was about losing a spot or two. So, um, but yeah, it was it was pretty scary, and to to see where that ended up, <laughs> um, it was uh, you know it was incredible that nobody
1: seriously hurt and we've there's been a lot of chat about that accident through the week by people who weren't necessarily racing fans but caught it on the on the news that night around the country um and they often said to me stevie J, oh my goodness that was so violent you know he rolled so many times but the reality is is he's damn lucky he did roll because you saw that he landed on top of that ute and right beside that ute is a giant flat tray tow truck, Mm. and had he made that fence, and the fence was ultimately what tripped him up in the end, it started the roll process.
2: It was like a big Manitou tractor,
1: wasn't it? No, there was just to the right, just to the other side, the left of the ute, if you're looking at it in a picture, there's an actual flat tray. So had he cleared that fence, Dukes of Hazard spec, and then been able to keep the thing on all four and kept it, it it would have still accelerated, but the roll actually slowed the process down and it hit the white ute. Had he kept on... I dare say he, may, he might have made contact with a flatbed uh, tray truck. And uh, had that yep. happened, I think we'd be having a very different and potentially quite sad discussion uh, about that accident. So, as I say, as much yep. as it, it, it was spectacular with the trip and roll, uh, thank goodness he did.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's one of those things that they look spectacular because the thing's flipping through the air and there's bumper bars and exhausts and wheels and things flying off it. Uh, but in reality, um, it's actually every, every one of those impacts is not massive and it's actually slowing the car down, the actual speed of the car down. Um, yeah, obviously it's not ideal to be flipping through the air, but much, much better than having a, you know, a sudden impact and a sudden stop.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: That's what does all the damage. And there was a car on Friday that did that in qualifying, came over the top, they went the other way, went to the right and hit the guardrail and destroyed the car, destroyed the guardrail, Um, and that would have been a harder impact than what John had with that roll. Having said that, my worry is obviously all the debris that was coming off that car, uh, the exhaust at the end of the roll actually went through the windows of that big Manitou tractor. And uh, if there was someone sitting in that, that would have been bad. You know, if the car had rolled and landed another two or three metres further forward, it would have landed on the roof of that dual cab where those guys were sitting in. So yeah. there's so much stuff there. And, and we all know motorsport's dangerous. And where he's gone off and how it's happened, it's a freak thing. Like mm. I've never seen somebody go down there in my life at Sandown. No. And I um, probably never will again, you know, but that's just the way that it is. And now that we've seen that that can happen in that spot, we're going to obviously, you know, I think, look at that, look at a fix for that problem, uh, whether it be... Uh, belts of tyres so that you hit tyres and it wraps around the car and slows you down rather than ha- hitting a wall or hitting something head-on and having a sudden stop, you know. So, you know, at the end of the day, where that, all that arm car was, it was quite low. So he hit the end of the arm car and it's folded over like a ramp and then yep. just sent him up in the air. And that's basically what sent him into that role.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there, there, are, there are a row of tyres had he kept going straight... Um, as opposed to going left, there's a row of tyres there to to catch and arrest the car. But I tell you, I, I, yeah. I, there's 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 two things that uh, I love about it. One, um, when old mate got out of the the uh, the dual cab, Fed can look like it, he was just getting out to go to the bakery. Yeah,
0: it literally was just like was there a, was that a Toyota eighty six car
2: just on the tray? Or? Yeah, what
1: happened there? Like he rolled out, pulled on, his dacks up, had a look around. Jeez, it was
2: that just was
0: close. Like whoof I'm going then, to go to the... You uh, wouldn't
2: have, like, would have... Unless whoever was sitting in the driver's seat there was looking in his rearview mirror, which you wouldn't, you'd be looking out the windscreen at watching the leaders coming around that turn nine. Mm, so yeah. they would not have expected that at all. And then all of a sudden to have this, you know, this 1,100-kilo, 1,200-kilo car land <laughs> on your tray upside down. Actually, funny story. I, I may, I may or may not have seen that actual car, which was... Let me tell you a rental car. Um, I may or may not have seen a car outside of my hotel last night when I arrived home from my TCM dinner, and I may or may not have laid on it upside down and got a photo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do you reckon the conversation's going to be when he rolls back to the Hertz desk at the airport and says, "Okay"? Now, this is what. Any damage there?
0: Okay, this is what happened. <laughs> yeah. Just like, so do, do remember I'm that ins- there, remember I'm insurance. Remember the insurance twenty. <laughs> remember the insurance I bought at the start. Yeah, yes. you're gonna need that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping it was someone's work car, and
1: he sort of said to the boss on oh. Thursday, "Hey, do you mind if I take the Ute into Sandown? Just I'm just doing some marshalling on a corner." Imagine that conversation Monday. Hey, uh, boss, you remember that Ute that we talked about?
0: <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> I hope Big
2: we get, I hope we, got yeah. we, tro- we tried to send a Toyota 86
0: into the back of it, didn't <laughs> we? <laughs> well, we still got a bit to talk about after the Sandown 500. Stephen Johnson choices via phone. You're listening to The Driver's Seat for Kubota Building Australia.
1: This is The Driver's Seat for Kubota Building Australia.
0: Welcome back to the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter. Together, we're building Australia. Nim's Zora Matt McKeldin in the studio with you this morning. Stephen Johnson joins us via phone.
1: Now, with all the laughing,
0: Steve Johnson,
1: I must throw the journo hat on for two seconds and talk about DJR, Team Penske, and the sensational news over the weekend that they had uh, been pinged for an engine irregularity and uh, Scotty McLaughlin's Bathurst pole had been taken away from him. I mean, we love the doc, and we love DJR Team Penske, and they've been sensational on track this year. But, geez, Louise, they have made, or there has been some things this year where they have not won the PR war. They've won on track, but they have not won the PR war. What has gone on there? Yeah, it's um, one of those.
2: like I've... It all seems to happen in the last month, hasn't it? And I think yeah. in the last month, there's been more bad press than there has been in the last 25 years of, of racing in uh, uh, in you know, supercars and touring cars and that sort of thing. So, um, obviously, these big teams, they don't necessarily, or a lot of them, or they don't do their own engines. Um, a lot of them have got uh, outside companies that do their engines, and DJI Penske is one of them. Uh, you know, Triple Eight is another. They've got another outside source in Kenny McNamara from K- KRE, KRE Engines doing yep. their engines. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they so they rely heavily on these uh, these companies to A, deliver them the best possible engine package within the guidelines of the rules and, and obviously the power. And it's so complex how the whole system works with regard to engine power, parity. Supercars have got their own technical division that, look at this sort of stuff, they monitor it, they dyno engines. Um, and uh, and to be fair, I haven't, obviously, I haven't even spoken to the, the Doc uh, Ryan story about it all, I haven't even spoken to Dad about it all. I know he's very angry about it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all he said. He said, I'll fill you in later because I asked him on Saturday and, and uh, he, or oh, sorry, Sunday morning. And he said, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you about it, you know, in a week or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't know anything about it, to be fair, until it all come out. And um, uh, it's one of those things that uh, I don't know if the measuring, the way that it's all measured is the same between the engine, uh, I guess the engine business that, that builds and, and does those engines and obviously supercars. So uh, there's a there's an, obviously an irregularity in what's ever happened with regard to lift. And you now this is all about... Um, there's there's control camshafts, so everyone's got the same camshafts, everyone's got the same uh, basic, you know, dimensions with regard to the upper portion of the engine, so the heads and and the valve train and all that sort of stuff. Um, So for whatever reason, uh, whether it's because the engine had an issue and that's the reason why they did pull it out um, or not, you sort of, when you think back now, if it did have this irregularity and it was only on, I believe it was either three or five cylinders... Uh, but it wasn't. Uh, but obviously, there's there's dual um, valves per cylinder. So so you've you've obviously got sixteen valves. Obviously eight exhaust and eight inlet. Uh, so out of the sixteen, there was only five that were irregular. And we're talking irregular like, uh, you know, one or two thousandths of an inch. So to put that into perspective, uh, this is say point. 0.0002 or 0005 I think was the worst one and we're, and and the size of a hair on your head is 0. 0.005 or something like that. so mm. so it it's less than half the thickness of a hair on your head is what wow. what they're talking about here Jesus. in the irregularity side of things so
1: in very in very basic terms steve whilst it's outside the parameters of the control engine of uh, control engine parameters of supercars that amount of difference in the lift, and that amount of uh, uh, that amount of irregularity, will that give? Could that give any kind of advantage in any way, shape, or form to that engine at all?
2: No, I don't believe so. Not at all. I don't, and the I don't... thing is that the, what the weird thing about it is because it's a controlled camshaft from supercars. The camshaft is the thing that controls the lift. Obviously, you've got rockers that that can manage that, but. Um, it it's it's something that it's just weird how it's only on five out of the 16 um obviously valves and and rockers so yeah the the thing with that the thing with this is they've, they they before they measured everything, they put the engine on the dyno because they always dyno as in supercars will dyno the engine and they will make sure that it's within the power and the yep. torque curve parameters of supercars Okay, so that engine was done and it was cleared and it went to the track and it went into the car uh, and then it came back from Bathurst after being pulled out at qualifying, from qualifying, went back on the dyno, the figures were exactly the same. Okay, so, uh, so it was cleared again for its power and its torque within, its, within the parity rules. Um, and then obviously when it got stripped down, this little irregularity got found with, uh, with what I believe... Uh, is a measurement that they use via laser. Uh, and maybe you, you look at the, the engine department and they may measure it with a micrometer and that might be the difference. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm just speculating on that, but that's what we're talking about there. So, so it's very, very interesting. And, and I'm sure that it, I don't think there's any power advantage. I definitely don't think that any of it was done on purpose. Of course. So um, it's just one of those things that I think that uh, has maybe caught them out.
1: So, question, and I, and I hark back to your supercar experience here. If you have a, you have a, an engine in the car for practice, and then you put another engine in for for qualifying, whether it be top ten shootout or just your standard qualifying, is it normal practice to then take that qualifying engine out and put another race engine in? Like, do they all do engine changes? On the Saturday night before the big one, and so my question is, why? If we know that the practice engine was starting to get oil in the water, so there was an issue there, and we thought we we're, you know, going to launch a couple hundred thousand dollar engine, so they put the new engine in for Quali. It's done Quali, then they've changed it again for for the Sunday race. Why would they have not left that engine in the car heading into Sunday?
2: No, well that engine started in the car. At the start of the week. So the car went down to Bathurst with that engine in it. It right. did all the practice, it did qualifying, it did a shootout. Then they found the uh, water and the oil issue, and then they pulled it out and put the ra- put like, not a race engine, another engine in for the race. So normally right. they would go down there and they would just leave the engines in for the whole week. But because they found this irregularity in the oil and the water, and they go, you know what, we don't think this engine is going to make a thousand kilometres here. Obviously, you're going to change it. If you've got any sort of inkling that there's any sort of issue, you just pull it out and put another one in. They're all so sealed, I've got my so timing wrong be, there. Be a
1: I've, I've got my timing wrong there. They didn't, yeah, I mean, right. Sorry, okay. So that engine was the same engine all the way through, the, yep, yep,
2: right. They're, okay, they're talking, talking about, the I don't know why they're talking about qualifying engine because it wasn't a qualifying engine, it was, the, it was the engine that was in the car when it went down there and did its first practice on Thursday,
1: right? Well, there uh, it you go. Also so that's. Yeah, that's no. the clarity. That's that's the clarity that exactly. I was asking because, yes, I keep using the term qualifying engine and I'm thinking, hang on a second, you yeah. generally don't – Put a qualifying engine into a car, rip it out, and put a race engine in. Right. And where that then Nimsey and Steve comes into context is all of our lovely fans and the keyboard warriors who are throwing enough mud as as they can handle against DJR Team Penske. They're throwing it, and they're and I'm reading all these comments about oh, it was a qualifying engine, mm. meaning that it was like a hot engine, and then yeah, rip it out. He's qualified on bowl, rip it out and stick the stick the race engine in. There. Right. So so mm-hmm. I think that needs to be very clearly stated that this was not a qualifying engine. This was the engine that had been used right up to the death knell and, you know, Steve, you and I know as relatively technical people, they always go fast before they go bang. Um, uh, They've pulled it out of the the top 10 shootout and gone, this thing's about to go bang. Mm. Pulled in the supercars Uh, technical staff, shown them that there was oil and water about to happen, and that often means a cracked head or something like that. Uh, So they've been given permission to put a new engine in, and away you go. So I think that just needs to be made really clear that it was not a qualifying engine.
2: Yeah, well, you can't have a qualifying engine because if you built something that did make more power and everything for one lap, um, it would be outside the parameters of supercars and what what you're allowed with regard to horsepower and torque. That's right. You know, that, you, you, that just cannot happen. What I don't agree with, too, uh, and secondly, and, and there's a lot of people involved in this in regard to social media, is the amount of stick that one individual, particularly I know people are going to always, they're going to get into the team because it's a team thing. Uh, the amount of stuff that Scott McLaughlin's receiving is, mm. is just incredibly bad, I think, in my opinion. Now, I obviously know Scotty quite well. Um, and it's just, it's really, really poor form um, to the extent that even a lot of the people within the industry and i'm going to name one straight up ryan walkenshaw has sent him some disgusting messages calling them calling him cheap Mm. and i just think that that is absolutely unprofessional and i think that is ridiculous and i think that dude seriously needs to have a think he's very very bitter because he put in a big ploy to get scott mclaughlin at the end of 2016 and he (laughs) didn't get him and we did and Diff Cracker, if you ask me. So I just think that that's that's really poor form, Um, you know, messaging. And, you know, he's got the messages. He showed me the messages, and they're just absolutely disgusting. Mm. So I just think that not only that, from from someone like him, I don't expect it from. From some people that are maybe 888 fans or BJR fans or Tickers fans, you sort of expect that. Yeah, just a punter
0: on the hill kind of thing, yeah.
1: So you're saying that Ryan Walkingshaw... and, And
2: I'm not... I'm not stereotyping pundits on the hill like we love them. That, that's that's what all, all we, we need as, as racers. We need those passionate fans. But when you get guys like Ryan Walkinshaw that comes and directly to a driver mm. who's done nothing but drive his ring out all year and driven the best wow. out of anybody, I think. Uh, and to say that sort of stuff, well, I think that's disgraceful. I used to like Ryan. And since I've seen that, I've changed my mind a lot.
1: Well. Look, I get, I get the fact that our fans love a keyboard and they love to throw it, and that's part of the game. And I and I get the fact where team owners have come out and said, listen, it's not good for our sport. And that's that's the truth. It isn't good for our sport. When we see what's happened on the weekend, um, it is not good for our sport. It's not good for a team. It's not good for the value of the business. But when a team owner, a very high-profile team owner, sends... That's a very high-profile per- team too. ...of a very high-profile team, sends direct personal text messages to a driver, remembering that Scotty Mack does not build these engines, that his team builds, sorry, not even his team, that they're an outside supplier, supplies these engines for a team owner to send direct, personally- vindictive and nasty text messages to a driver that is absolutely appalling uh and i'll go by your word that you've seen them directly steve but uh, that is shameful absolutely shameful behavior from a very high profile team owner and uh he deserves to get his own pull through for that because we can stand on our soapboxes and talk to our crowds and our fans all the time saying hey guys just pump the brakes a little bit enough with the personal stuff fabian coulthard of course got it in the neck over the Bathurst thing but now for a team owner to be sending that sort of stuff, particularly to
0: a two-time champion. That is appalling form. Yes, spot on there, Matty. Still a bit to talk about after last weekend at Sandown, so hang on the line, Steve. This is the driver's seat across Australia for Kubota. Together, we're building Australia.
1: This is the driver's seat
0: for Kubota. Together, we're building Australia. And don't forget to grab our app. It is, of course, the driver's seat. We do it thanks to Kubota Building Australia. Now, last week we recorded the show earlier in the week before Retro Round at Sandown because Steve was racing that weekend. And last Friday, unfortunately, we were saddened to hear about the passing of legendary former Supercars commentator Mike Raymond, aged 76 who lost, sadly, a battle with pneumonia. Now, Mike Raymond was, of course, the voice for Australian touring car racing for two decades from the mid-1970s. And for fans tuning into the TV coverage, well, this voice was a very familiar sound.
1: Sunday, February 28, 1988, and the dawn of a new era in Australian motorsport as Melbourne's new $20 million Call to Park Thunderdome awaits the start of the Goodyear NASCAR 500. Sunday, October 2, 1988. Today, the Australian television network bids you welcome from Bathurst, New South Wales, for the world's richest and most exciting touring car race, the Tui's One Thousand. Today, Seven Sport bids you welcome from Melbourne, the Garden State capital.
0: We're in town for the long-awaited Castrol Five Hundred at Sandown. I had that many of those <laughs> intros <laughs> to go through. Because literally, if there was a racetrack, if there was cars going around it, Mike Raymond was there. <laughs> he was uh, like, you think about. We talk about the retro round
1: and all of that kind of stuff, and to be quite frank, I mean, it was so fitting that uh, unfortunately his passing happened at the retro round because he is so um, so much a part of what supercars and and Australian Touring Car Championship used to be. Like, I remember Steve and I are about the same age. I think I'm just a touch older than him. But you never used to get live coverage of the racing. You'd have to wait until about 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. Uh, And I used to sit there and listen and wait for Mike Raymond and and the Crimson Coat Brigade. And so just listening to that sort of stuff takes me back 25 years to the point where I fell in love with motorsport. He was... An incredible entertainer, and he put a lot of sizzle on the sausage. And uh, a very famous person within our within our sport, and he will be sadly missed. Particularly his ads for Speedway. He used to call them the Kings with Wings. Be there, and he used to do all <laughs> of that sort of stuff. Had a real knack for being able to uh, rhyme and 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 put a real lyric around our sport. I loved him, and he'll be sadly missed. I, and and thank goodness we have so many of his calls. In the bank and uh, and recorded so that we can forever go back and have a listen to the greatness that was Mike Raymond.
2: No man, I totally agree. I mean, he for me he is he is to motorsport and and Channel Seven as what Daryl Eastlake was to Nine's Wide World of Sport
0: mm. you know, or I Murray think Walker those, to Formula One.
2: Murray Walker to Formula One. You know, you just get these. Obviously, now it's, it's moved on in times. Um, you know, I think it's great that we've still got guys that we can recognise like Neil Crompton. Uh, in that in that role in 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 supercars and motorsport and you you've got Martin Brundle in Formula One but it just you know I still remember these guys and I you know as you said Manny we grew up with these guys you know that's that's what we would listen to on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night when we were allowed to sit and watch uh, the racing or whatever it might be so it's um, really sad to see him go it wasn't ideal the way that it all all happened obviously he succumbed to pneumonia and uh, mm. it was one of those things that that um, you know we've been a close family friend of the Romans for a long, long time. So, you know, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with the whole, you know, Andy, your son, and, and, and the whole Roman family, because it's, it's, it's definitely a tough time. It's, it's, it's something that I said to Dad the other day, I said, you know, the worst thing about getting older, Dad, is that all your friends start to fall off the perch, you know. and mm. If you are doing all right, you'll actually see it. And unfortunately, we're starting to see it now, which is sort of gut-wrenching. But you unfortunately, know it's going to happen at some stage.
1: I think I don't think um, people realise the level of involvement that Mike had back in the day when it was the Australian Touring Car Championship that was faltering, and then of course Tony Cochran came around to uh, kick off the V8 Supercars Championship, and Mike worked diligently in the background to make sure that deal happened.
2: He did, and he had a massive involvement with that. You know, he was he 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 spent his whole life just trying to, yes, he made a, a very good career out of commentating and, and being that, that frontline person to get that news out uh, week in and week out. Uh, but he was also behind the scenes working very hard because he actually loved it. he had massive passion for it. And he just, mm. he just wanted to see it go, go from strength to strength. And, and I think that he can be very proud of what he achieved and what they all achieved. And, uh, uh, and I think that, you know, that really set the tone for what it actually is today.
1: 100%. And we know that our friend, the V8 sleuth, Aaron Noonan, mm-hmm. has got lots of uh, lots of footage in the can of interviews and and uh, lots of audio around Mike Raymond. So, uh, uh, as you say, um, uh, our thoughts are with the Raymond family. Uh, and just a massive thanks from everyone in our community, within our sport, because, uh, as I say, yep. he, he set the tone. He was the leader, and uh, he put a lot of sizzle on the sausage and put a lot of colour around that that, uh, that just the the coverage, frame. Yeah, and, and and the had, coverage, coverage of Johnson and Brock and Moffat, and, and he built up the rivalries, and he had wonderful chats with your father down Conrad Strait and, and around Bathurst with the original race cam sort of stuff, and uh, he was as much a celebrity in those days as the drivers.
2: Absolutely, he was, and you just couldn't imagine watching a race uh, without it because it's, it's sort of like... Um, you know, you, you get, I, I guess you, you you become familiar and understand uh, the the people that are calling certain things, you know. I mean, whether it be the Melbourne Cup, or I, and I'm not a horse man. I can't remember his name. I know the guy Bruce that, McEvoy. that has called the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, yeah, Bruce is for AFL as well, you know. Like, it's it's one of those things that you just, they've become synonymous for what, you, what you're doing and what they they're trying to get to you um through the tv and the information they're feeding so like they get you into the race as much as you are watching it and and i think that that's what mike did very very well and uh you know guys like neil crompton took a lot away from learning from these these sort of people and uh um you know you're either good at it or you're not or you've got to work hard at it like as we know some people in the uh commentator uh commentated box at the moment has to work very hard on it to try to be half okay but um <laughs> it's uh, uh but uh for, does a great job who, who, who,
1: <laughs> how's that for a veiled backhander, mark scape i don't know
2: yeah, that's terrible i know scapey well i've grown up with him a lot and and i i get along with him well but you know i can say this and and not being uh mean or anything but he he's no mike raymond mm. he's no mike raymond you know and and You know, I I think that to try to compare anybody to Mike Raymond is unfair.
0: I think he'd be the first to admit that too. But uh, one last thing that I did, uh, I think I thought was a very nice touch. A lot of drivers and teams actually did uh, put little tributes on their cars. But uh, what Techno did... Replacing the channel, like making that Channel Seven logo that they already did for their own own fantastic retro livery, but putting uh, Mike's face in the bonnet around the old Channel Seven logo was really, really cool. I thought the old Bobby yeah. Morris
1: livery from 1979, and uh, yep. it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect and a, a wonderful send off. Um, I felt for I felt for Neil Crompton because he was one of his mentors and and uh, yep. he had to put on a brave face all weekend, but. Um, Uh, We say farewell to him, but he will never be forgotten.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, there is an abundance of footage there. It was an absolute pleasure to go through it all, as I was putting to that little package at the start. But, uh, Steve, we've kept here for far too long, mate. But uh, thanks for spending a bit of time, as I keep saying, on your own show. Uh...
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. I'm the only, trying only reason to he called through so you? he could
1: send an
0: invoice. That was
1: the only reason. He like, yeah, I'll have a quick phone call. Now, watch the invoice come through red hot. It's going to fire straight through in about five minutes' time. <laughs> oh.
0: Well, Steve, we'll see you back in here in the studio next week, mate.
2: No worry, fellas. Thank you.
1: This is the driver's seat for Kubota, Building Australia.
0: Great to have you company on the driver's seat. Matt McKeldin and Nims is all here. Stephen Johnson obviously celebrating another hard-fought three-in-a-row win for the TCM. He did well, didn't he? did very
1: well. Donuts
0: all round. <laughs> Donuts and
1: beers all round. He did amazingly well. I mean, he's been so consistent this year. And um, such a pity that we didn't see that final race on uh, on the weekend mm. because of that, that Toyota 86 accident. But, yeah, I mean, look, look you know. How can you fault the guy? He's not in a car full time, and yet he drives that thing like he's a, a full spec supercar driver still. And uh,
0: and now we put Mustang Sally away, and we eagerly await the XD. I'll tell you one thing too. Talk of that Toyota eighty six crash, those guys in the, in that Ute must have gone and bought some lucky uh, some. <laughs> they, they've got some uh, lucky rabbits foot. They've got Powerball tickets because, jeez, that could have gone. Could have gone sideways, couldn't it? Do you, do you reckon that might have been a, a company
1: car? And could you imagine the discussion on Monday morning? <laughs> hey, boss, you know how I took the Ute to Sandown on the weekend? Well,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, mm. but yeah how's our insurance looking? And how, imagine trying to explain it to the insurance company. So here I was, I was just sitting there, I wasn't moving. Mm. And then a Toyota 86 race car rolled
0: over and fell straight on the back of our car. Could you imagine the boss being like, that sounds like absolute BS. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, okay. boss. There's yeah. plenty of footage going around if uh, you don't yeah, believe Yeah, just, just
1: jump on the socials. You'll see
0: it. <laughs> well, we've got to get into some big moments from Sandout, so let's do our Bendix Brakes Big Moments. Now on the driver's seat, another Bendix Brakes Big Moment. Bend- Australian technology for all-weather, confident braking. Yeah, when it's time to change your brakes, fit Bendix brakes and don't accept anything less, let's get into one thing, and that is, of course, the Sandown 500. So, as we always do, let's consult the footage.
2: The right rear. Oh, we got a drama going. So all of Oh man, they they've got a problem with the right rear on this car. So how quickly things can change? What's going on here?
0: laps can you lift this thing around for 10 laps we've been just talking about the extraordinary drive the way in which the car's been working and now something has let go in the rear of this car it's gutting but that's uh, that's racing um it's a real shame would have been a nice one too and put that cup would have been close. but um yeah just just gutted never won this race before so it would have been great to get it but yeah part failure with 10 to go it's a shame yeah, obviously Shane van Gisbergen. He did one hell of an epic drive. As did Garth Tander too. Because when you saw um, Matty at the at the start of the race, that where he was going to be. Where do you think he'd uh, Where do you think that he'd end up? I think we always thought that they were going to be really strong. I mean, I think I always think you look at
1: those those combinations of Garth and SVG and Lowndes and Wincup, and you you look at the history and you go, okay, well these guys are absolutely rock solid. They are. Uh, they are a team full of A drivers. There's mm. not a not a B driver in there. So um, the only question was 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 the Commodore going to be strong enough heading into this uh, insurance championship yeah. based on the dominance of the Mustang previously? But if you just look at the pedigree of those drivers, I mean it's absolutely unbelievable. And you know we saw Lounsey and Wincup win the uh, win the cup. But boy oh boy, poor old SVG. I mean Nimsy, when you're in a race car and you're sort of within the final ten laps of the flag and you're winning and everything's fabulous, you hear every rattle, every squeak, <laughs> you feel everything in the car so so clearly that I cannot imagine with 10 laps to go that a tiny little bolt falling out of under the yeah. suspension there would pay to it. And I can't actually believe he drove it as hard as he did when the thing sat down on the right rear because that was phenomenal. I mean, that, that could have let go at any time, but such is the bravery and uh, panache of these guys and skill that he just kept right up. He kept right up it all the
0: way through until the team said to him, "Mate, you got you, got, you got really a, got yeah. a bit. You really <laughs> got a bit now." The, the most telling thing too was seeing GT's reaction too, because th- they had the Pertec Enduro Cup stitched up. That was all theirs because ah. the Red Bull Red Bull Holden Racing have been the most consistent throughout the Pertec Enduro Cup, yeah. and. It's funny, too, because, as I said, I, I, my missus who, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your uh, example, has had to put up with an r- absolute rev head for the past couple of months <laughs> in the Fertegaduro <laughs> Cup. I remember during Bathurst, she's like, what are you getting so worried about? Scotty's got this. Scotty's got this. And I'm like, "Yeah, you never know in racing. You never know. And mm. then we saw what happened on at the Gold Coast 600 because there was all the talk that Scotty's going to wrap up the championship there. It yep. didn't happen. Nope. We saw that uh, SVG and GT had one hell of a drive to get from the back of the grid all the way to the front. There was there was something like a 12-second gap between them and uh, and the rest. But at the end of the day, it just took one little bolt, one bolt to understand Just a one bolt. Yeah, 100%. And, and the, it sort of talks, it,
1: there's a couple of things that stand out to me about the, this event, the Sandown 500. I love the fact that you can still start from last, and be in a position where you can win a race. Mm. Because that shows within our category with the right skill, the right mechanicals, uh, and the right strategy from the team that even though you don't qualify on pole or the first couple of rows or whatever, um, you can still come through and, and win a race. That's what I love about the endurance championship because there are some... There are some championships around the world, and if you don't qualify on pole or second or third, good night, Irene. Yeah, but, there's no point in leaving ours, the garage. <laughs> that's right, exactly right. But with ours, you can still. It's particularly in the in the endurance format, you can still get a uh, get a result. So I was gutted for them. You're right. GT went straight into, you know, hands on the head thing. In fact, Lowns, if you watch the vision, he's the one who spotted before anybody. He spotted that the car had had that failure coming out of the final turn onto the main straight. And uh, it was it was action all stations, and and um, he got in, he got back out again. But you know that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. These are mechanical beasts, and they can fail.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Feel for the Red Bull Holden Racing Team, but at the end, we to see Jamie win Cup and the combination of Craig Lounds win the Perth Enduro Cup. We all pretty much knew that was going to happen. Well, we we had a very strong inkling that putting together the dream team together and them getting that cup was pretty much a you know. A uh, fate accompli We it it was it was it was winks like odds. <laughs> well, you would yes. I mean, you you look at that combination,
1: and you're right. they they're they're unbackable. But remembering that it's a combination of not only those two drivers, but the chariot in which they're steering around the park, and that was always going to be the maker or breaker. Would the Commodore be fast enough, and would it stay together? And um, if you could answer that confidently, yes before the start of the endurance season, then 100% absolute unbackable odds. Those two plus a fast, reliable car, unbackable odds, as you say, winks odds, <laughs> but, um, we didn't know that. And so you say, well, okay, yes, the, the, the drivers are great. Will the car hold together? That was the question. And the answer to that question was yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It held together and triple eight Red Bull Holden racing team did an extraordinary job. And, uh, And everyone's now sitting back saying, how many more can they win once they have C. Lowndes in that chair,
0: which they've got him for a couple of years. Uh, One last thing before we wrap up our Bendix Breaks big moment. There was one person that I know was probably looking at SVG's car thinking, hmm, they better fix that. uh, Not just before the next round, but before next year. And that would be Team 18 and Scotty Pye because that is going to be his car next year. (laughs) So I bet you Charlie's going to make sure they put a couple of extra screws
1: in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's What? Uh, that, well, and again, you're right in what you say. We joke about it, but I can tell you what, those cars now will be back in the factory before we go to Newcastle mm. and they will be poured over and they will have different, uh, different mechanical things added to them to make sure that that does not happen again. But again, it's so rare, but it does happen. There's been plenty of people who have been in the lead of the great race uh, the Bathurst 1000 and literally a 20 cent part mm. has let go <laughs> and all of a sudden a, a multi hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, of commitment has gone down the toilet. So it's just motorsport. We don't see it a lot these days. It was very rare and uh, added a lot of drama to quite frankly what was a relative.
0: Pedestrian sort of race it Wasn't yeah. much going on Yeah unfortunately And But you know It gave us something To talk about But that was Our Bendix Brakes <laughs> Big moment Thanks to Bendix Australian Technology For all weather Confident braking You're listening to The driver's seat Thanks to Kubota Together we're Building Australia Hey make sure you Download our app From the app store It's got all the latest uh, Everything motorsport Not just V8 supercars Rally uh, Shannon's Nationals TCR F1 All the socials You name it Get it on the app store And uh, we'll catch you